two, three, four. In this podcast, you will only hear Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader, includes but is not led to who talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the jump that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. Crystal Fox reports they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired. And their time is up, so here's the Knights of Vader. Most impressive. A big thank you to Anne Superiority Complex for providing our new theme song. It is October 10th, 2018, and we're talking Star Wars in 2019. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I am joined by Mark. Hello, everyone. And Zanger. The Sith kill each other, victims of their own greed. But from the ashes of their destruction, I was the last to survive. I chose to pass my knowledge on to only one gritty legacy so resilient that it now comes before me. No idea where that's from. And Darth Bane from Season 6, Episode 13, The Sacrifice. There it is. All right. And projecting himself straight to the podcast from the Octo Cliff is Force Ghost Jim. Good evening, everybody. We got Force Ghost Jim back. It's going to be a great episode. So tonight's topic is, and this actually was a suggestion by the Force Ghost himself, was Star Wars in 2019 in the roadmap ahead for what to expect from Star Wars in the coming months, eh, year or so from now. So with that being said, there's a bunch of stuff on the horizon. I'm going to lay it out real quick. It's in no particular order. Basically, we're going to take it from there and just kind of discuss the things that we're most looking forward to, things that we're really not that interested in, maybe shed some light on some things that some people weren't aware of. So first, the first thing on my list is the most obvious, Episode 9. I think everybody on the face of the Earth is aware of the fact that Episode 9 comes out next year, and it's going to be the conclusion to the sequel trilogy. Second, most importantly, is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge from both Anaheim Disneyland and in Disney World Orlando, we will finally get our first access to the, the super-duper Star Wars land in both parks that apparently is going to cost Disney trillions of dollars. And funny enough, it will cost you billions to get into it. Next on the list is The Mandalorian, the recently named Disney TV streaming service TV show. After that, I have Star Wars Clone Wars Saved, which we kind of got into a couple months ago, but it's interesting that nobody has really brought that up recently. It's kind of faded from memory for whatever reason. Next is Star Wars Jedi colon Fallen Order. There is a Star Wars game coming out next year. Zenger and I kind of uh, briefly talked about it last week, but we really didn't, all we knew was kind of it was coming and not much more else than that because they haven't really talked about it at all to any sort of capacity. And the next thing, another quasi-video game, is Vader Immortal. It's a VR experience, yes. very similar to the uh, Secrets of the Empire thing they have, I think, California, Orlando. I think it's a few other places worldwide. But that's another thing that's just been recently announced that we don't know much about. And we have, as of right now, from what we know, we have at least three Star Wars novels, Master and Apprentice, Queen Shadow, 
and I think just announced this week at uh, New York Comic Con, or maybe I'm wrong, is Alphabet Squadron. I think it's about uh, Star Wars pilots hunting down uh, Imperials after the Battle of uh, Endor, or maybe Jakku, I don't know which. And last but not least, we have Star Wars Resistance Part 2. I don't know this for certain, but guessing on the uh, time schedule for Star Wars Resistance, it seems that the first half of the season will air before the holidays, and the latter half will continue to air in the beginning of 2019. And with that being said, that's pretty much all that I have listed. So, guys, I have everything I listed, is there anything that I left off? Is there anything that you think that's coming that I didn't mention or something that Disney's hiding for us? Are we going to maybe get another... Are they going to drop a Star Wars film kind of like how Kanye and Beyonce drop albums? Will we just get a movie or a project just thrown at us from nowhere? Or is it pretty much the schedule's locked up as is? It was funny. I didn't even know about the Vader VR or whatever they're doing with it because I happened to see it. It came across on the YouTube feed. I didn't even know such an animal existed. I think Disney's got a problem with they're just kind of shotgun approach to putting things out. It's not everywhere. I mean, Zach, you read off all that stuff. I was unaware of half of it. I don't know if if it's just this Star Wars overload that everybody's got and kind of falling through the cracks or no one cares. I don't know which one it is. Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't Well, I think the VR thing is interesting because you do have – I've been aware of the Secrets of the Empire thing for a while now. And I'm really kind of chomping at the bit to try it, except I think in the continental U.S. it's only available in California, Florida. It might be in the Mall of America. I'm not sure. I think every once in a while that shows up as a place where it's coming to. But as somebody who lives around 90 minutes away from Manhattan, New York, I'm kind of shocked they don't have like an outpost in New York City. You think that would be a guaranteed way of, of getting some foot traffic and just getting some, like Jim said, some attention for it? Yeah, I don't know why they're being so... I would imagine it's expensive, uh, not building, but installing something like this. Considering how it's supposed to be like almost like a prelude to what you're going to see at the Galaxy's Edge. Zenger and Mark, is there anything you have to add to uh, Vader Immortal? Are you intrigued by this, or are you just as ignorant in the sense of you had no idea this was coming? Uh, I had no idea this was coming, to be honest with you, Adam. I haven't been really keeping up with the uh, theme park news. Well, but the pro- but but Mark's absolutely correct. I think Mark's response is correct, and mine is they're not advertising this stuff. This stuff's popping up, and you're seeing it in areas you're not expecting. Going, what is this? Is this old new? I mean, you don't even see it on social media. I mean, it's just like it's a black hole somewhere. You happen to look over, and you happen to catch it. Yeah, I agree with that because I remember when because the Vader Immortal thing was just announced a couple of weeks ago, and I I did at first I thought it was a comic book. Yeah, it has a that's a very comic booky title. It's funny, the Secrets of the Empire has been out now for a few months, maybe a year. I don't know exactly when that was um, established, but you'd think they would publicize that a little bit more before they start working that? on the follow. Secrets of the Empire. What's the Secrets oh, of the Empire? Oh, you know what that is? I've heard bits and pieces of it. No one Se- else. If I'm having trouble with it, everybody else is too. <laughs> Secrets of the Empire is a virtual reality experience where you and about, I think it's three other people, so it's a four-player experience. It's a mission that you're led, uh, that begins with Cassian Andor and K2SO giving you a mission that you have to go to Vader's castle on Mustafar to retrieve an ancient artifact. You obviously don Imperial disguises, you go into Vader's castle looking for this ancient artifact you go through the castle i think you have a shootout once or twice you find the artifact 
Vader shows up and does a, a Rogue One to you where he's in a hallway and he kind of slowly starts like mow your mow your comrades down. And I and the, and the whole big thing with this is that the ancient artifact is an ancient like lightsaber. I think it's supposed to be like the first lightsaber ever. It's a really it's a really wonky design. Imagine like a a double bladed lightsaber, but instead of as in like a Darth Maul version, it's it's imagine a cross guard lightsaber, but you have two blades and they eventually like point toward each other to an ultimate point. So it's, it's like kind of like dead space in the middle of the lightsaber. I'm probably uh, not explaining this as best as I could, but. Right. That's essentially what it is, but no, it's meant to be like um, again, it's virtual reality. They give you the blasters. You have like a ju- obviously you have like a backpack on that weighs like twenty five pounds, which Where is, is all the. Where is this? Uh, it's in um, like I was saying before, it's in Anaheim Disneyland. It's in well, what was once downtown Disney, or, or I guess it's downtown Disney in California, but it's Disney Springs in Florida. It's outside the theme parks. It's out. It's inside the complex in the sense of it's the the resort. But it's not admission to Disneyland or Magic Kingdom or or Hollywood Studios or what was once MGM. It's it's I think it's like thirty bucks and I think it's around fifteen minutes long. I mean, it's just so it's just so random and weird. I like it, but it's just I, I, there's just no rhyme or reason to this stuff. I, well, from what I've heard is that it's meant to be a pre a prelude to what you're going to experience in Galaxy's Edge, like just getting you immersed. An interactive Star Wars world. Ah, uh, okay. It's it's meant to kind of cut. What's the word? Uh, ease you into it because I know with from what I'm hearing with Galaxy's Edge, is that and plus we didn't talk about that either because the fact with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge there is the two rides. You have the Millennium Falcon ride and you have the Escape from the First Order ride. I haven't heard a lot about the Escape from the First Order ride, but from what I've heard about the Millennium Falcon, which you can find, it, it's out there. Making Star Wars has done an article too about it. Is that it's Jim? You, you've been to Disney a few times. Do you remember Mission Space at Disney World? Yeah, it's the yeah. Isn't that the one that you do the simulation and you go into space and you do all that? Yes, stuff? And, and, and every every person of your is, is a member gets of the a job. Once, gets a yes. job. Yeah, yep, pilot, co-pilot. Yep, I was there the weekend someone died on that ride. How unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, I was there. That's the reason I remember that ride is because I was there the weekend somebody died. But yeah, absolutely. Again, I've never been on Mission Space. I know a lot about it, but I've never been on it. In that everyone's supposed to have a function, like you said. But the thing about Everybody it is that job. yes, but you don't like if you push the button or don't, nothing like like affects the ride. Like if you don't fire the the thrusters, it's not like the ride comes to an end, says game over, and certain uh, uh, more quarters. Uh, but. <laughs> Apparently, with the Money and Falcon ride, it's going to be where it's going to be six people per, I don't want to say cabin, but six people per uh, per ride vehicle. And every one of them is going to have a specific job, like like you said, a, a function on the ride. Like one person's going to be the pilot of the Falcon, the second person's the co pilot. You have a gunner, you have a navigator, you have somebody who does. Apparently, it's six different jobs. And because this is, we live now in a world where you just don't ride these rides and you get off of it and it's like, oh, cool. I wonder if there's a place where I can buy my picture afterwards. Everything now has to be interactive and connective in that you get a score. So let's say, for example, the four of us are, are together on this ride and we have two random people. Let's say we have uh, schmuck number one, schmuck number two with us. 
So if we're playing this and we have a good vibe going, Schmuck 1 and 2 can ruin our experience if they decide to be sticks in the mud or live up to their namesake. And from what I've heard, Disney is having a problem with this where they've actually made the game, or I guess the ride, so connective amongst the players that if one or two people don't do what they're supposed to do at the right time, you can actually ruin it for everybody else. Oh, jumping G Willikers. I've never done this technology before. How do you do? Oh, I broke it. <laughs> you laugh, but that is a legit concern I'm hearing is that they, do, they, they feel that. Think about it. So, yeah, there's going to be. Can you imagine the amount of people that are going to be on this ride and they're going to be so intense? Like, I'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. And you have, again, you have, I don't mean to be discriminatory, but let's say you have a couple of old farts or just there's a failure in communication and something goes wrong. You can have a fist fight. You have some, some, some dude bro who goes, yo man, I was going to do that until you screwed up. And you have, then you have two people that are angry and people don't want to ride the ride for those reasons. Or you have a ton of people just wanting to be Han Solo. And then Fox realizes this and cancels the TV show. Oh, sorry. I'm still having heartbreaks over um, Firefly being canceled. What? What, what? what does that have to do with it? Because the Firefly show is just a, it's basically an entire ship full of Han Solo's being Han Solo. Think about it. Oh, okay. Um, not the best analogy, folks. I'll, I'll give that one a, a solid C. But thanks for playing. Still okay. passing. Still passing. You get bonus points for the fact that you explained it properly. But anyway, though, Hell so yeah. so no, so that's kind of the thing that's going on with the, the Millennium Falcon ride, and that Disney's still trying to. Apparently, from what I've heard, the people who have test ridden it say it's phenomenal. It's everything you could possibly ever want from a ride that lets you pilot the Millennium Falcon. But there is the possibility that people can ruin it. And if you remember your your Disney history. If anybody went to Disney in the mid-90s and earlier, the Skyway ride, where you'd be in the little buckets that would tra uh, traverse the park, people would sit there, take sodas with them, and dump them on people and also try to spit on them. So, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, it's like, people don't, like, technology changes, unfortunately, people don't. And that's kind of the concern with the Millennium Falcon ride. But again, I, I don't know. All I know, this thing I want, I've been wanting to ask Jim this forever. Or maybe we did it. Or maybe we asked Jim this already. I forget. But like going back to like the Disney theme parks and everything's yeah. gonna be sequel trilogy based. You've been to Disney, obviously, like we mentioned it, but when was oh, the last yeah. time you've planned a vacation like that? Like going to a Disney resort? Probably four years, five years. Uh, when Galaxy's Edge opens next year at both Orlando and Anaheim, will that make you want to plan a trip? It will, but I won't go when it opens. I won't go anywhere near that insanity. All right. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait probably a year, six months to a year, because it's, it's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. No way. I'd go to Disney World before I go anyplace else. Mark and Zenger, are either you planning a pilgrimage to either Galaxy's Edge within, let's say, the first six six months to a year of an opening? Hold on, I can answer that real quick. Ellie, are we going to Galaxy's Edge? <laughs> I thought she was downstairs. We'll come back to you later when you get an answer. Mark, are you planning a pilgrimage to Galaxy's Edge? No, I don't think I am. Unless they have another celebration or in Orlando? Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't really go, make plans to go to Disneyland or Disney World. It's just not something that I, it has much appeal to me. Even with the 
you know, the Star Wars uh, additions on there. But that doesn't mean it will never happen in the future. I could, you know, sometime soon, but I just don't have that plan yet. Fair enough. I, 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 I'm, I think I'm interested in going, just seeing how it's done and gone. Now, will it be a draw for me the second time around? Probably not, but I'm interested in seeing it, how they do it. Disney always does that stuff right, as a rule of thumb. You know, they get that stuff right. Their, their Imagineers are really good at that stuff. My only fear is it's not going to be as good as I think it is in my head because, you know, I'm, I'm old school original trilogy type stuff. So will I be able to enjoy it because it's immersion in Star Wars? Heck, I enjoyed Star Wars weekends there. I got a big kick out of those. So I'll probably be okay with it, but, you know, we'll just have to see. I, I think we've brought this up before, though, but my concern is – it, again, the reason why things like Harry Potter at Universal yes. work so well yep. is that you talk. get, you get, yeah, you get to. I don't think we, I don't, the other two guys weren't here for this, but you get to inhabit that experience of walking into the movies, right? And with Galaxy's Edge, and this is going to tie into when we go over to Episode Nine a little bit now, is that we're going to Batu. It's like, I, again, I want to go to the Mos Eisley Cantina. I exactly. want to go to Cloud City. I do not want to go to Batu. I want to walk the Death Star halls. I want, you know, the, the corridors. I, I, I agree. I think they're missing it on that part of it. You and I have talked about this, Zach. I, I think they're missing it huge. But again, I don't think they care about me. They don't care about us 40-somethings. They don't but, care. But I'm 26 years old, and I want, again, I love the prequels. Yeah, I'll concede the prequels don't have a lot of locations like, like that. I, I can't think of one location locale from the prequels where I'd be like, oh, I want to go there. Maybe then like Mustafar. Like that's the only so, one I can well, think yeah, of. Well, let's see. You got the Jedi yeah. Temple. You have got the Jedi Temple. You got Naboo. Yeah. You got Naboo. But uh, you get something in Tatooine. But you know what? You could carry Tatooine or even Coruscant into that. You could do a Coruscant nightclub or something. I've, but it's just this whole new world they're putting in. I guess they're banking on. I guess they're banking on a lot for the future. Like you and I have said, Zach, they're banking on a lot of the future stuff to carry it on. That's what I'm thinking, though. So this is, okay, now we're going to episode nine a little bit. Or before we get into that, Zenger, did you get an answer from Ellie yet? Uh, no, but I can say yes, but I would say that I would rather make the trip out to um, Chicago for the convention over going there right off the bat. Because my thing is that we'll, the the park and everything will still be there and probably be more open and functional in a few months. Well, right. Because I, it, it's, I tell you that the thing that was the last time I went to Disney, not that I wrote it, but it was the seven dwarfs ride. We stood oh, outside wow. of that. You couldn't get into that. That ride was booked, 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 because it was one of the few rides that the whole family could take the screaming little kids on and everybody could do it. It was stroller central. So I'm afraid that the Star Wars world is going to be like we talked about the Harry <clears throat> Potter world. They're going to roll all these strollers into this place, and that's where they're going to live. There's going to be traffic jams everywhere. Yes, completely. But this is one of the things I think it's so fascinating with Disney, is that this is my first understanding of this. And if we do have any the diehard theme park people in the audience, please correct me if I'm wrong. But when the Frozen attraction opened up in Epcot, and what was the former Maelstrom Norway ride, what would happen was Disney had all these billboards in Orlando saying like, oh, come ride the new Frozen attraction. But because that ride was so popular, it was only open initially. I think this was the first few months. 
for Fast Pass Plus members, which is the whole thing where you have, you have you have to go online like months in advance and plan out your schedule where you're gonna have everything booked like the, everything in advance. So if you bought like if you let's say you're some average Joe and you see one of these billboards, you're like, oh, I'm going on Frozen so badly, and you would show up yep. to the park and say you buy a ticket and you try to get on Frozen. You act they were not admitting people without Fast Pass Plus, right? And that's and, and I think that's what's going to happen with uh, the Star Wars place for a while. And and that's uh, that's not anything specific to Star Wars, but I think that sort of mentality with Disney, where it's like again, Disney Disney wants to know everything in advance. They can they can uh, specifically coordinate how much personnel they can have in the parks, how much food they have to have, so on and so forth. Which I get from a logistics perspective, but I think it costs like a consumer relations. Oh man, that's just oh god, Disney. Like Walt Disney's turning in his grave right now. Well, but they're making billions. They don't care. No, they don't care, and that's the problem. Nobody, nobody's willing to stand yep. up to Disney when it comes to the theme parks. They keep raising the prices. I think it's something. I think it's almost two thousand dollars for an annual pass to Disneyland now. But they, they, they keep having turn away business, and yet the price hikes don't stop anybody. So nope, because it's don't Disney. Blame them. There's okay. supply and demand. I don't get it though, man. I really, I, I, I don't know. Like the leaks, I, I don't know. Someone's got to do some look into statistics of like Disney theme park attendance from like 15 years ago versus now, and and see how much it's changed. Because I remember, like I, I used to, I as people know, I used to live in Florida, and thanks to my brother and his family, we'd go to the theme parks almost like, oh god, once every two to three weeks because we lived about 90 minutes west of Orlando, and I never remember it being as busy nor as popular as it is now. And I'm not sure if that's a social media thing or a, I could tell you what happened. Want to know what happened? Enlighten me, Jim. What happened is last time we went or the time before we went, we chose to go in February. We had done that. There had been no one there. It was great. The weather was a little cool, but it was fine. Second time we come in February, the park is literally filled to the brim. And, And I asked, several employees different times and i go what in the world is going on they said well disney figured out that the southern hemisphere is summer now so they invited up and advertised and did package deals down in argentina brazil and so they're busy year-round now but before it like in january you could have the pool to yourself in january february or the park because it wasn't there but they and then it's sure enough, you see the people with the red flags from Brazil and the, the tour groups, they literally go in. I watched them. Literally, you could have got on the ride. The minute this group, these groups from these schools and these groups from uh, the Southern Hemisphere showed up, they literally shut the whole ride down. They took it over completely. That's, that's interesting. I never heard that before. And that, oh, wow. It's, that, it's, hmm. it's, and, they, and they hoard a ride. They just show up and just completely mob it. And Disney caters to them. They they give them, but I mean, it's the craziest thing. They all walk around the same T-shirts with a flag, and they all wear the same color shirts. And and they but Disney and Disney started advertising down and pulling down out of the Southern Hemisphere during the winter because it's summer down there in spring, and they come up here as tourists, which is fine and dandy. That's fine. That's what Disney does. But it absolutely makes the park a zoo, a circus year round. 
Hmm, never thought of that before. That's that's I, you, the more you learn, folks. Even because, because the more your knowledge increases, the more your ignorance unfolds. I didn't. I, I thought I knew a lot. I knew pretty much everything about Disney theme parks. Very well, cool, Jim. We, Thank you. Because literally, we went one one year, and the next year we went the exact same week, and it, it was like it's a whole different world. You got. I mean, they were everywhere. They overtook the resort food bins. You know, the food when you go to sit down the restaurant to eat. Literally, yeah. they all down and just completely destroy the whole place take it over and feed it it's just it's just craziness it's it makes almost the point where it's not enjoyable i've definitely seen that at disney before that's yeah disney's and, a weird thing yeah Disney, like i said i i don't know like you said they're making money and they can't they turn away business but the pro i don't know this gave be a point where a uh, point of no return but it's gonna be interesting to see what what that is well, and, and the thing is, they just keep, you know, they're a juggernaut. They're a juggernaut, and they keep going and doing, and that's it. What's our next stop? We're going, what, to episode nine now? Was that the next one? Well, okay, this is how I'm going to uh, segue into that, is that I'm convinced for episode nine, it's either going to end with us, or it's maybe not end, but it's going to have something to do with Batu, the, the planet from the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I'm convinced that, that that's how to. that movie's going to end. It has to. Essentially, in not so many words, the movie will end. It will say, come visit us at Galaxy's Edge, available at Disneyland and Disney World. Continue your adventure. Continue your adventure. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect language, Jim. I think that's what it has to be. There's going to be Batu. It's got to be in there somehow just to make it look good. Who knows? Part of the rumors, too, for Batu is that it's going to have different quote-unquote seasons. Where apparently when the park first opens, or at least the uh, Disneyland one does, the ride, or I guess the whole land, will be between episodes 8 and 9. And then obviously once episode 9 is out, you'll start seeing characters in storylines that are episode post-episode 9 and episode 9-centric. Enough uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge talk. Next thing I just want to talk about with episode nine, and please, anybody interject you have any, Okay, uh, Mark Zanger, and I think Jim already said pretty much everything. Anything you want to add to Galaxy's Edge before we move on to... Uh... I'm good. Well, thing is, in the winter, we don't have as much attendance because it's winter. So what if we marketed in the Southern Hemisphere during this time did package deals? gave them all the same shirt that's right that's the way it works so, so what you're saying Zinger, disney gives them the shirt they don't even bring the shirts themselves no no we can give them the shirt too Zinger, that i just was, want you i want that you to was know, um oh my gosh i forgot the name already i want you to know as i was editing the last name? week's episode what what's her name damn it who's what's her name you're gonna, have to us, you're gonna have to give us more than that no Zach, what's her name? The the Oh Hazel. Yeah, okay, there we go. Uh if that sounds like a bad idea, it's Hazel's idea. <laughs> so, I just want you to know when when you go through these uh this persona that is, I want you to know that it's horrible trying to convey to an audience, to an an audio <laughs> medium, what you're trying to do. I know it is. I want everyone to know when Zenger, when Zenger does the hushed like breathing voice, everybody, he's doing his um how do you? It, it's screenwriters, or no? It's uh, was it idea meeting Zenger, where we lean yeah. back in the chair with the glasses and we bounce the pencil off of our lips. Yep. 
Yeah. So anytime you hear him do that, folks, you just just picture that in your head because there, there will be a crash one of these times where I just fall backwards in the chair. So just wait for that because Zach. Oh, there's leaning involved. There's leaning. Yeah, oh, I, I lean back. How are people supposed to know that? I don't even know that. It's it's an involved medium of you got to fully imagine what I'm doing whenever I'm doing these these different zinger personas. All right, we, we need a musical zing, uh, a musical sting or something that kind of alerts the audience. All right, we'll, we'll figure something out, folks. If, if you start hearing weird sound effects when Zenger starts talking, just assume that's the new musical cue. Except when he falls out of the chair. But anyway, though, back to episode nine. Beyond the Batu showing up in the film, which I think is a foregone conclusion, I wanted to uh, ask Jim this. Now, obviously, we try to get as much mileage out of Jim as possible while he's here. Jim, considering that episode that. Episode 9, or at least how they're touting it, is going to be the end of the Skywalker saga. Or at least until, who knows, when they start to decide to do Episode 10. So I have a theory that much like how Revenge of the Sith ended with Tatooine, obviously full circle of Star Wars begins on Tatooine and it ends on Tatooine. What would you say the likelihood is it that we go back to Tatooine Episode 9? Well, I never thought of that. I guess that would be... Okay. Wait, wouldn't they be on Jakku? No, it's got to be Tatooine because it has to remember. JJ loves his original trilogy. It okay. Has to go back to Tatooine. Can't be Jakku. I guess the whole thing is, what would be the point to going back there? What's back on Tatooine that they fan service? Thank you. Zanger. Well, no fan. No, I'm ag- I'm agreeing with you, but what? Okay, Zanger, what's the fan service? The that they're on Tatooine again. <laughs> uh, that's the fan service. It's got to be superficial, Jim. If you put, if it has anything more than uh, just face level uh, nostalgia. It's not. It loses its purpose. If it has any deeper oh, meaning, true. it's not worth it. That's true. It's not worth it. Okay, that's fine. I'm playing in the shallow pool on this one, people. Okay, I I, th- I thought with all the all this, these new these newest episodes, we're playing in the shallow end of the pool anyway. So I'm fine with it. Ooh, bazinga. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice zing, uh, Jim. Very nice. No, that was that was very good. I'm impressed. So uh, West Coast Jim hasn't lost his edge, folks. Uh, I tell you, but one thing that I, I tell you, I was trooping, and uh, there was a little boy, and he went up to Kylo Ren. Didn't have really a clue who Darth Vader was. He went up to Kylo, where Vader's always, you know, considered the ultimate evil, ultimate henchman. And and I thought to myself, I was sitting there going, with these new episodes, the way they're turning them out, I think they're going to stay away from I I don't think this new generation coming up is even going to know who Darth Vader is or the significance of the character. It was something that crossed my mind. That's one of the things with these new ones coming out. And, you know, basically getting away from the Skywalker, you know, persona and that type of thing and identity. I thought, man, but the I don't know. So that's one of the things I thought about with in regards to it. can't imagine Star Wars without Darth Vader. Here's, here's another question for Jim. As we know, this has been one of Jim's sticking points ever since we started this podcast, is that Jim feels that we're going to get a Darth Vader standalone film. Obviously, I hope! Lot- I hope! Well, we know, you, we know you hope, but considering since Star Wars has had a rather tumultuous uh, time since you first made that claim... Considering where we are now, Jim, where all apparently spinoff standalone films have been canceled, do you still think a Darth Vader film is somewhere in, in the ether? I don't know. I'd like to see it. I think it would have a draw to it. 
I think people would go see it because, again, it's who he is. I mean, everybody wants to, everybody time to talk to him. Everybody loves the last 30 seconds of Rogue One because you got to see what he's capable of. Everybody loves that that scene of Darth Vader. But you know what? Maybe he'll show up in The Mandalorian. Who knows? That's post-Return of the Jedi. Well, that's something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I guess in regards to him, I don't think with the current environment, no. But maybe they'll, maybe they'll bring him into something else. I don't know. I, I don't know, especially with the current atmosphere. I agree. It may be put on hold for a while. Or if ever at this point, because again, they're they're leaning so far away from the original trilogy. This is sort of like, not that doesn't have to do directly with the, this park stuff, but uh, what Jim brings up, you know, brings me back to what I mentioned about a while back, how you know it seems that um, Disney is catering, or at least trying to cater to the younger audience uh, of today, versus you know trying to cater, you know to older audiences as much so that's why you're not seeing a whole lot of original trilogy stuff you're seeing sequel trilogy stuff because they know sure. that because that because their target audience is these younger folks so that they can um, grow up with a set of films and um and then you know when they're older they're still enamored with star wars and then they want to introduce their children to star wars well they're, like they're it's cyclical you know that's how that's how it's a cycle too yeah. Yeah, totally agree with it. We covered that one last episode, didn't we, Zach? Or whenever the last time I was on? Oh, yeah, that was the uh, explaining the Star Wars Resistance hatred. That was kind of, uh, which I know a lot of people like the fact that we kind of delved into that. was like maybe, again, where is Star Wars? I think we kind of agreed upon, like, maybe we're in a transition point now with Star Wars. Yes, and we're not I even agree. aware of it. I totally, I think you're absolutely there. I think Dizzy is forcing the transition. I don't I know totally what it is they're doing. Well, I, but a, they're obviously, they're, I mean, maybe they don't even know what they're doing, but they're being the unknown transition in this whole thing anyway, especially sponsoring the last three, you know, these last three current films. And then what they're, I, I think they're, they're fashioning their own Star Wars universe. That's what I'm saying, too. That's what I'm thinking, too. I mean, you see some people that weren't a fan of The Last Jedi and stuff, and like, you know, because it didn't go the way that they had thought it would go, and then it's like, you know, but I think back to the fact that they're catering to younger audiences. Younger audiences may not have, you know, these type of expectations for for the for the sequel trilogy. Well, but also uh, for the older group, Mark, we've addressed this earlier with when I talked with uh, Zach on it. You know, they killed off Luke Skywalker. Right, right, and and, and a lot of, you know some people were upset by that, and um, but like I said, it's I think it's because they 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 feel like they can do that because they 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 don't think that the younger audiences have much of an attachment to that character. So it's like, all right, we can I think we can do that, and it won't be a big deal for the for the young folks, and right, that's how they got well, because, yeah. because their characters are still going on. You still have Poe Dameron who should have been killed off in the first one. Still got Kylo Ren, and you know they're introducing they got Ray and. You know, it's funny when you troop, we have a couple rays in our group and the rays get all the love. All the little girls love the rays. So they're doing their they're doing their job right, bringing up these kids on right. what they're doing with their stuff. So I mean, they're setting themselves up for long term. They don't care about 49-year-old me. They don't care about me. They already got my money. They already got my I well, feel like I talked about this at some point. We did. We yeah, talked we about did. Third yeah. resistance. 
Oh, no, I, I talked about it last week, I think, too. But, I think I said something about it. But this is my concern, though. And I don't want anybody interpreting this the wrong way. But you look at the young generation. The young generation. Look at them. Look at them yes, the youngins, the, the, the kids these days. Is the that, youth. The youth. Is that, like, okay, I'm 26 years old. And I know I'm the youngest, youngest of the lot here. But if you get to, I think after me is what? It's Mark. Mark Zanger. Who's who's the oldest here? Between me, the two I'm of you? For, probably me. I'm forty nine. No, 32. I, I, how old are you, Zanger? Uh, thirty two. Oh, okay. So you're right. more or less the same age. So, uh, Jim, we know you're you're Force Ghost Jim for a reason, Jim. I but, know. I know. <laughs> I kid. I kid. But no, like when I was growing up, he's calling I, you old. I said That's Force right. Ghost. I didn't say there's young Force Ghost. That's okay. Name one. Well, technically, what? Obi-Wan and Luke are like, what, in their mid-50s? Touche. <laughs> Thank you. But no, my original point was, like, as, as a 90s kid, quote-unquote, or as a, I guess, under the age of 10, I was bombarded with all these different just uh, things, whether it be Toy Story, Rugrats. Um, Star Wars obviously came into the late 90s with me with the Phantom Menace, but like I was bombarded. Like my mother joked, every Christmas it was a new theme. It was like Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Small Soldiers. Um, this list went on and on and on because there was just so much media hitting me all at once as a kid. And you kind of not to have everything, but it was like, oh, this week it was this, next week it was that. And then obviously we get to Mark and Zenger's age. And yes, you had guys have what? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, yep. What were other than Star Wars media that you had? Other than Star Wars media? Yeah, but big things that kind of impacted you. Uh, Transformers. Transformers. But that was thanks to my older brother because I was aged. It wasn't something that was airing that much on TV, but thanks to him having recordings of it, I used to watch those a lot with him. So that was something I really enjoyed. Um, my Morphin Power Rangers, X-Men, the Spider-Man cartoon. Okay. Basically anything that ran on Fox Kids. All right. Mark, would you say that's the same for you or? Yeah, that's the same for me. Things like Pokemon came out, you know, late 90s and stuff like that. Yeah, that was something that a lot of kids my age got hooked on. Heck, I still right. play, but um, yeah, no, it's just, well, there's just so many things, uh, so many fandoms, you know, it's, it's just hard to really be committed to one. But but to bring it even one step for this to prove my point though, in Jim, when you were growing up, it was what? Star Wars and like what, maybe one or two other things? Well, it was Star it was Star Wars, Star Trek, because Star Trek was first. And then the original first six films, Star Trek films came out during that stretch. And then you know, you had your uh G Force, you had Thundercats, you had He Man. You had Scooby Doo, the Hanna Barbera stuff. So that really, I think what, that's about it. But and then we also had stickball. We used to play out in the alleyway. Oh, uh, those were the good old days. That, that's actually before me, but yeah, oh, okay. I, I was aware of it. I was aware of it. But the point I'm trying to make, though, is that we basically all the major things that were big with us when we were kids. There was maybe a handful of things, like maybe six to ten for your entire entire childhood. Where you could be like, oh, this this is what I grew up with. With kids these days, and with, I guess Zenger can attest to it because he's got, we call it, I guess, the youngest kids out of a lot of us. Is mm -hmm. that how many, okay, compared to what you brought up, Zenger, where you had Spider-Man, X-Men, 
all those transformers basically your daughters have probably what four times that minimum yeah at least and i think that's the issue with because again i don't want but they know what star wars is and they know what harry potter is and teen titans so i'm happy well but okay because that obviously how interested do you think your daughters would be in star wars it wasn't for their parents not that well, okay, okay, that's all I'm asking for. I'm not, I'm not mean, and by saying daughters, I'm only saying because Zenger has exclusively daughters. If yep. he had sons, I'd be saying the same thing too. I'm not trying to say boys versus girls. But the thing about kids these days is that they put Star Wars Resistance out there. And other than the fact that it's a cartoon on the Disney Channel, there's no reason, or there's no other reason for kids to glom onto it like uh, the kids who are watching resistance it's as six-year-olds right now 10 years from now are gonna have more affinity for what's it called zanger Fortnite. yes they will have more affinity for Fortnite than they will for star wars resistance it's like the problem with star wars is that and it's kind of back when we it goes back to what we discussed when solo came out is that solo amongst its many reasons for bombing was was a prequel film to a 40-year-old character. It's like the kids aren't lining up for a for that. And I think that's an issue is that Star Wars, and maybe that's what Disney's trying to do right now, is that they're going to have to repackage it or maybe completely just uh, design, uh, design it from the ground up as a something that's brand new. And I don't know how you do that, considering that how the really the first new piece of Star Wars media that was uh, what's the word ubiquitous of the new era was The Force Awakens, which is a film that's hardwired into nostalgia. I don't know how Disney does this because the kids, quote unquote, aren't going to have an affinity for something that's very clearly belongs to their parents. It's like if you go around and ask people what their favorite films are, there's a – I remember I read a study somewhere that people's favorite – there's a 75% chance people's favorite films are were made when they were alive. Very few people will say, oh, like you're, you're be hard-pressed to find a 25-year-old that's going to say Casablanca is my favorite film. Citizen Kane's my favorite film. Uh, let's yeah. pick really like, – I, I, I like want this, to say obscure. I'm having bad deja vu right now. I don't think we've ever gone into this far before like this. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm having bad deja vu, and I want it on the record. Okay, folks, if you're tired of hearing us discuss this already, just turn us off and wait until next week. We'll talk about more nonsense then. I'm not, I'm not trying to stop this. I'm like, this is no, really bad deja vu, and I've had bad deja vu the past few days a lot. So I think you need more potassium. I've heard potassium suppresses deja vu. <laughs> okay, go well, on. Zach. But, but, Zach, this ties into what we're talking about. Then their marketing scheme they've had with all this new stuff coming out that's so random and unpublicized. It's and all just that like night. It's random and unpublicized. Take that, youth. <laughs> but, no, I think, I think Jim brings up a good point, though, is that you, but you do. Look, I'm going to go through the list again. You have first Vader Immortal, which is clearly original no trilogy. I have idea what it is. Well, yeah, nobody right. knows what and, it is. And exactly what it is. I mean, this is exactly it. I literally, when I saw it on Utah, I was like, what the hell is this? This is cool. But I didn't know what it was when it came on. Look at it this way, though. Vader Immortal, it's original trilogy content. Episode 9, definition of new frontier of Star Wars. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We have no idea when that takes place other than the fact that it's sequel trilogy era. The Mandalorian, very vague. It takes place 
sometime post Return of the Jedi, but we have no idea when when it specifically takes place. In the sense of, will it be more old designs or new designs? The books. The books are exclusively prequel or original trilogy content. Resistance is part of that post Return of the Jedi era, which you know they've kind of said when they've low key confirmed that it's within I think a few months of the Force Awakens. It's at least it's 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 new. Then you have Fallen Order, which is prequel on the verge of original trilogy era and then you have clone war saved which is prequel content so you have all these different eras of star wars like jim said it's a shotgun approach disney is just throwing everything into the pot hoping that if they put enough of everybody's favorite ingredient in there everybody will buy it which you could say that's the disney theme parks are where you have a you have a haunted mansion next to a seven dwarves uh, mine train next to Space Mountain next to Buzz Ranger right. light light the uh, Lightyear Spin or whatever it's called maybe that's that they figure that they throw enough stuff into it that's everybody's favorite that eventually everybody will like it but I think a theme park is a very different beast than a movie film franchise. And I agree. I just don't. It doesn't. That's. I guess that I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing it. But you're exactly. There's a lack of focus. Well, I think it goes back to. And I've made this analogy a few times on this podcast, yeah. where I call it the. Um, I forgot. I have a different name for. I change the name of it every time though. But it's kind of like the beer and pretzels dilemma. It's like, oh, I want to have a beer. What goes well with a beer? A bag of pretzels or a warm pretzel? Okay, what goes well with a pretzel? Cheese. You can dip the pretzel in the cheese. What goes well with cheese? You can have cheese with a hamburger. Okay, I have a hamburger. What goes good with a hamburger? Pickles. Put pickles on the hamburger. And you keep putting all these different ingredients together, and you put them in a blender, and you eventually get something that tastes like garbage. And I think that's what Disney's doing. Is that, and this is not meant to be critical, but I, like Jim said, I think the key word here or key phrase is lack of focus. It's just let's just keep throwing different things that complement each other in the immediate sense or short short term and then realize, oh, crap, we can't have The Last Jedi, which tells the fans, forget or unlearn everything you've learned, then go and immediately follow that with, look, here's Solo, nostalgia. Look, there's there's Chewbacca. Oh, look, mentions of Bosk. And I think that's the dilemma is that they have to realize that like with Marvel, Marvel doesn't do that. The MCU does not sit there have throwback films. Marvel is a very much is a forward thinking. It's a you know they'll jump around sometimes. Like things like Ant Man the Wasp takes place before Infinity War. They will jump around here and there, but for the most part, it's advancing the story forward. Like like I joke too, Han. It's fun talking about Han Solo as a character in Star Wars because the amount of past versus present tense of verb is like oh when han solo was alive here although he's not really alive anymore but he was alive then but now he's dead it's it, there's a lot of just and i think a lot of it too star wars comes with a, a lot of baggage that i don't think disney is fully grasping or if they do they're just ignoring it right like it, it's weird like, like it's funny ever since jim and i had that conversation i've been thinking about that because as time goes on I, I'm always reevaluing the Last Jedi. I think it's another thing I've, I want to bring up for a while now on the podcast. Like, I, I if chances are, if you're in upstate New York, folks, and you see some jerk walking around with a Star Wars T-shirt, um, most likely it's me. Uh, feel free to stop and say hi, even if I'm mowing the lawn. I'm always willing to talk Star Wars with people. That's I was about to say I was waiting for him to be like, I'm always mowing the lawn. 
<laughs> well, that too. I'm always doing lawn chores outside. The stupid environment doesn't never stop. But no, it's like I'll always be talking to people about Star Wars, whether it be at Target. I had a really great conversation with a guy in the Star Wars aisle at Target. Had my mother recently bought a car. I was talking to the guy at the dealership about Star Wars. Even at one point, some guy knocked on my door and he's like doing like a cold call, like, "Hey, do you need a new roof? We'll give you a free inspection." And like within three seconds, I have him talking about Star Wars. And the one question I always get asked from people is, "What do you think of the Disney era of Star Wars?" And then immediately followed by that question is, "I hear Disney's doing a bad job." Like. I, I know back, I think we discussed it a few months ago, that I was always afraid that there was going to be a narrative that set in after The Last Jedi came out. And it's clearly there at this point. My, my, my worst fears are realized. There, there is a narrative now that it, it's, it's the prequel thing again, where it's, oh, the prequels aren't as good as the original trilogy. And now it's the Star or the Disney era is not as good as the, like I said, I still haven't figured out what the golden era, golden era of Star Wars is. But whatever, whatever that's the goalpost on that move perpetually, it's funny how that's always an issue. And I don't know, considering that I, I would imagine Disney's never going to put Star Wars into a recess period like George Lucas did. So is Star Wars going to eventually turn into the DCEU where every two years there's just a, a soft reboot? I don't know. It's, I know I said that's another one of my catchphrases here is saying I don't know. But it's just a question I want everyone to think about. Again, Solo bombed. I would imagine that's probably a reason why we haven't heard anything new from Disney when it comes to films or any of the major things going forward. It's like, come 2020, Star Wars is a blank slate. And I find that utterly fascinating, that considering that we were getting announcements about Solo before Rogue One was even in theaters, yet now we do not hear anything, and that 2019 might as well just be an abyss chasm of Star War- for Star Wars. That is true. I, I think, you know, it's, I just don't, I'd like to see what they're going to do with it. I hope they do the right thing. But it's, as I said, it's been a shotgun approach and some serious hits and some serious misses. I, I, I'm hoping. But my problem, though, the issue is that I don't think there's any one thing that Disney can do to appease everybody. I, I, I no. think we're. I think there's a point now where the Star Wars fan base is falling into the ugly habits that occurred with the prequels, where now it's popular to hate Star Wars. And it, it, it's it's just an issue. It's like it's funny how Marvel has yet to hit that. Again, Marvel's been, is now, I think, up to, what, 300 movies now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, they've not reached that point yet. It's like you would think after a film as vanilla as something like Ant-Man the Wasp, after the the blow the hinges off the door success of Infinity War, there'd be a little bit of backlash like Marvel. What's the deal here? You're giving us this crap after Infinity War? But no, there, there's no backlash. You know, I'm, I'm amazed by that. That Marvel is, is a more or less Teflon franchise, except when it comes to stupid things like uh, that people don't like Black Widow's character in Age of Ultron. And it's funny, ever since that movie, we really haven't gotten it. It's funny, after that character, everybody got mad at Joss Whedon for, Whedon for Age of Ultron. We never saw it. That character really has not done anything since that film. You're talking about uh, Ultron? Or? Well, the movie, remember you guys remember, you remember the controversy that apparently, because Black Widow says she's a monster and people were claiming Joss Whedon was a misogynist. And basically, ever since then, in the MCU, Black Widow hasn't really done anything as a character. And I think that's kind of like what's in a very low-key way it's going to happen to Star Wars, where Disney, ever since the... Again, think about it. They tried to go bold with The Last Jedi, and whether you agree with it or not, it is a, a noble effort, but it, it royally alienated some people. 
considering how safe Disney is, whether it be in political correctness or the fact that everything has to have smooth, rounded down edges, it's the whole idea of is, is, is there a way for Disney to find equilibrium with the fans of Star Wars, both hardcore and uh, passive casual? Is there a point where everybody can get back on board with Star Wars? Or is Star Wars doomed to be a niche success? I don't know. I mean, it could just end up being like Pokemon, where in the beginning, you know, we had this Pokemania craze back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then that kind of just died down. But it's still successful because it kept the core base. Or, you know, some of the people from that base left it, and then, but new folks came in. in the, in the uh, new, by, by new folks, I mean younger fans. And then you still have some have some older fans that still kept with it due to like new features and you know future games. So I think that may, that's probably just going to be something that may happen with Star Wars, and that we have to accept at some point that we're just going to be whittled down to a core base that can Disney will be happy with. That's just my thought process on this. That yeah, you know, as long as there's a core base of fans, and as long as Disney is satisfied with having that core base uh you know giving them the money you know their money and stuff or and viewership then i think they'll be all right i know some people want to think that you know the whole world needs to fall in love with star wars but i don't really think that's going to be the case anymore especially with today's youth having such short attention spans and you know you know moving on to you know moving on to one thing to another you know it's just I don't know. That's just my opinion on this. Well, that's a good good comparison, Mark. Because I like that the fact that Pokemon, like, like you said, Pokemon began with the original 151. Like I much I, I jab jab Mark with that saying, Mark, how many Pokemon are there? And he's like 2,361. I'm like, no, Mark, it's 151. Get it right. <laughs> it's but if you look back and Mark, you're much more of a parking Pokemon fan than I am. How other than Pikachu? How many of the original 151 do we ever see in new Pokemon media? Whether it be video games, cartoons, uh, comics, or magazines. I, I don't know what, what Pokemon dabbles in now. But how often do we see those original 151 besides Pikachu? Well, I can tell you that um, you know there's still quite a bit of popular from, uh, figure Pokemon from the first generation that continue to be used in, in uh, Pokemon media. Uh, you know, Charizard's still a pretty popular figure. Uh, Mewtwo's another one. Who else? The uh, the starters. Well, I just mentioned Charizard, but they're like you know their evolutions and pre-evolutions um, of those uh, the starter lines. Eevee's another popular one. Heck, they're just coming out with a game called Let's Go Eevee, and you know along with Let's Go Pikachu. But so, yeah. out of all the generations of new Pokemon, would you say that the original, or I guess the first generation? get as much fair time as other generations or is it more or less than others i, I have I, no idea what pokemon how pokemon works mark now so I, you have I, to inform I, me. I would say it's like you know yes uh, yes no maybe so like i'll give an example um in generation six games uh they introduced this new mechanic called uh, mega evolution so just basically a an extra evolution but a temporary power-up in a sense and a lot of them were given. A lot of Mega Evolutions were given to Generation One Pokemon. Uh, other gener, other po Pokemon from other generations also got it, but you know, Generation One got quite a bit. Charizard got two of them actually, uh, as well as Mewtwo getting two of them. 
Uh, so that shows you just how popular those are. Although some people argue that Mega Evolution should just be for Pokemon that were weak and they really needed a power up, but that's another story for another time. Um, but anyhow, but you know, there's still. I mean, they did put, they did give a lot in different in the Gen Six games. They did give a lot of spotlight for that feature uh, in Generation Seven. They're in a new region. They introduced this thing called Alolan forms, uh, which are like new forms for like. A few Generation One Pokemon got these new forms, so it's not like they're they're not ignoring the, you know these Gen One Pokemon. Well, the things that's not ignoring, it's how much spotlight do they get. But I think my thing is that the first generation of Pokemon is kind of like what the prequels are right now. It's the prequels are there. Like it's not like Disney has prohibited people from accessing the prequels. But they're clearly not anybody's priority at Lucasfilm. And I think that's kind of what it is with Star Wars, is that Star Wars is going to... I, I sense it now, and I could be wrong, who knows, but it seems like it's going to be sequel trilogy prioritized with some original trilogy sprinkled in to keep people like Jim or his age group happy, or maybe pacified might be the correct term. That maybe. is the more correct term, technically. And I think after that, the prequel trilogy is going to be in there for psychotics like Mark and I, who who like that. Who knows? Like I, I really, I, again, and I guess this kind of ties into the fact with the books that they've announced for the first half of 2019, and that we have two prequel trilogy books starting off the year, first being Queen Shadow, then Master and Apprentice, and then I know the third one's um, original or it's post original trilogy era. But no, it's like you could very easily do a. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan as a Padawan stories. You could do that, whether it be a, a Forces of Destiny type show or an animated show. It could be a video game almost. Yet, they, I think they know that a prequel trilogy content will not sell that well beyond something like a book. I can see that. Mark, would you... I, I don't know, because I'm trying to figure, figure out who who's the audience for this yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, Disney's just really focusing on a new era. I'm sure they throw in a bone here and there with, like, a Star Wars story anthology film. You know, they're really focusing on, you know, now they're, especially now that they're focused with, you know, Star Wars Resistance coming out and, you know, this uh, Mandalorian uh, TV show is going to come out that's set after Return of the Jedi. I think they're really focusing on their own, the era that they have kind of sort of started crafting out. Uh, going through the list I, I read off at the beginning of this podcast, out of 10 potential shows, or I guess this um, media coming out next year, only five of them are sequel trilogy oriented. The other five are either prequel or original trilogy. So, yes, there is, there's the most amount of focus on sequel trilogy stuff, but like, like we said, they do jump around. Vader Immortal... Um, Star Wars, Fallen Order, Clone Wars are all just uh, thrown about the place, and plus the two books. I think that's, again, I, not to keep repeating ourselves, but there is that shotgun approach. It's just, we need, like, Star Wars, Clone Wars saved seems very based in the fact of, oh crap, they let's do something that appeases them. And like we already mentioned, we discussed that. All that animation was already sitting around. All they did basically is put a, not a fresh coat of paint, but they kind of put a coat of paint on it. And that was it. The voice acting's been recorded now for six years. 
I, that's not an, an achievement. That's not a landmark in Star Wars, taking something that's dusty. And I think Zenger and I mentioned that last week, is that taking something that's, that's kind of has a, a, a cover over it, dusting it off and saying, here you go, here's something brand new. Oh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that, but I think that kind of shows you what the Star Wars fan base, or at least the vocal part of the Star Wars fan base. That's another thing that's really weird to get a read on Star Wars too, is that the most vocal contingent... And now I think it's fair to say that there are two vocal contingents are are opposed. When you were talking about this, Zach, the other thing I thought about is there's no real enthusiasm behind any of it. Very little of it that there's like, like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see it or I can't wait to participate or buy this stuff or know more about it. How much of that is because it's a lack of interest or because, like you said, Jim, they haven't marketed it properly? I think it's all of the above. I think there's this weird thing with Lucasfilm, or maybe Disney. Again, I, I know a lot of people still like to think that Lucasfilm is 110% autonomous. And I think it's fair to say that the only thing in Disney that's 100% autonomous or close to it would be Marvel MCU. And I think what's going on with, I think everybody wondered, I think we discussed this maybe a year ago. It was like, what's Disney, how is Disney going to market Solo six months after The, the, the Last Jedi? And we were like, we just wondered how we were doing. And obviously, I don't think it was till sometime in late March that we all eventually were convinced that the film was going to come out in May. And I think Disney has this attitude with Star Wars. And maybe this is a Hollywood thing. Where it's like, Star Wars is just a juggernaut. You don't need to, like, why waste marketing dollars on Star Wars when Star Wars can sell itself? And I think that's the mentality. Because I think they did that, like, even... Going back to um, Solo's home video release, I was watching something on either the Disney Channel or Disney XD, and they had a commercial for the Blu-ray of Solo. And again, if you did not know what it was that you were watching, the video or the advertisement was more or less incomprehensible. It was just a bunch of random shots of stuff. Like, it doesn't even tell you what it is. It's not like it's like the title, and then it begins. It's just random shots of the movie, and then after about 15 seconds, it says... They cut, they cut Solo, now available on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. And it's like, if I didn't know this was a movie, I wouldn't know what it was. Especially if I was a six-year-old watching this, I, it would not make me want to say, Mommy, 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 buy this for me. Like, it, it, do, it does no favors. And I think even going back to um, how you're hooking the new generation into Star Wars, it, you have most kids, in my most kids these days don't watch um, television in the sense of uh, cable TV, channel surfing television. And you look at how Star Wars is available. Star Wars is only available through a digital download on iTunes for $20, or it's on TNT. And I would imagine most parents aren't letting their kids sit and watch TNT by themselves on a Saturday, considering that most of what TNT's uh, TV, or I guess its lineup is, Law & Order, uh, Vanilla, uh, Savu, Special Victims Unit, or things like Chicago PD or NCIS. Like I think it's I, I've never understood why Disney doesn't air Disney movies or movies they own on the Disney Channel. Like you would think if there ever was a place to premiere The Force Awakens, it would be on Disney Channel. I think I, I think that would be one of the coolest things ever seeing a Star Wars movie on the Disney Channel. Yeah, I guess it's the whole idea of we can make more money by p selling the TV rights to the Turner Network. 
Like, like that's that's a weird disconnect with Disney where, again, we all make fun of Lucas or we made fun of Lucas for, oh, Disney, he put a focus on the, the, the toys. But at least Lucas knew that if he got my generation hooked on Star Wars toys with the Phantom Menace, I'd be a 26-year-old Star Wars toy junkie. And I would sit there have Millennium Falcons above my head as I try to sleep. With kids these days, they aren't, and maybe I'm jump, I'm pinballing around here with, with my points, but there isn't that hook for kids to get into it unless they're already predisposed for it, much like Jim is with his daughters or Zenger with his daughters. You need a easy access point for the uninitiated. And I think that might be the thing Disney needs to learn out of all this when it comes to Star Wars. You need a ground level for new people to get on board. And I don't think well, Resistance is that. No, and I, and I tell you what's going to happen in 2019 that may be what they need is Disney's going to have its own streaming service. And that may be what they do with it. But the streaming service they don't they, they they don't even have the rights to that anymore because that's all that they sold those or they licensed them for how many years to the Turner networks so the only star wars content you will see on the streaming service for at least the first year will be clone wars saved right maybe the clone wars series rebels right. and the mandalorian that's going to be it. you're not those movies are not going to be on the streaming service for at least a couple of years after the streaming service is, is available to the public Oh, no, I'm back to thinking about Disney's future. But, I, I mean, in terms of what they'll have, they'll have one set spot to market their stuff at. I, I mean, I don't think they really care about the original trilogy or even the prequels. They care about what they've got out now. And uh, I think that that may be what they focus on and putting their, their content out on that in terms of the video stuff. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Stuff. I get what you mean now. That's just my take. No, that's an interesting point. But, I, okay, guys, put your thinking cap on. This is different than your Zach cynical cap. If you're Disney, Disney or Lucasfilm or whatever combination or blend of the two, how do you create something Star Wars that's an easy point of entry for anybody? To, like, Is there a front door with a nice welcome mat for Star Wars? I think you have to go back to the original trilogy. So you would focus almost exclusively on the films is the way of getting people into it? Yeah, I think so. But what's funny is they're not even out on streaming services. But that is my initial reaction when someone wants to get into Star Wars. Well, because that's how I started it. You know what I mean? I grew up on the film, so I, I, I know that and I'm comfortable with that. But somebody else, but my daughters grew up on the, uh, the, the prequel stuff. They're comfortable with starting there. Somebody now may be more comfortable with starting with you know, the last with uh, the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. Zinger, Mark, anything you have to add to that? I'm, I'm good. Like I said, Rogue One was good. People liked it. Solo. People liked it? Question mark. But did it make any money? I don't Zinger's think. onto something. I like what he's saying. It's it's the most confusing word math problem you will ever be put in front of you. Screw the SATs. Just give them that math problem. Disney should just sponsor every freaking school thing and be like, solve this problem. Rogue One equals love. Solo equals loss of money. But Force Rogue Awakens, One, but you're right. But Force you're right. Awakens equals lots of money. Last Jedi equals complete hatred. What do we do next? What is the equals? Solve for X. 
I wouldn't say Last Jedi is complete hatred, but it's like, you know, just say divided. <laughs> That's your point to add to this whole thing? <laughs> I love it. That is the, out of, out of what Zanger just said, the word problem he just came up with. And your focus, your, your, your mark, your focus was, boy, I don't think it's divided. I don't think it's hatred. It's divided. <laughs> You're more like the, that's more like the plus sign in that whole equation. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds funny to me. but No, just... because it's not even out of four Star Wars fans who can agree on what Last Jedi is. Okay, let's go around the room right now. Describe the Last Jedi in one word. Mark, how would you describe the Last Jedi in one word? Um, and you had me going first here. <laughs> I All right, would we'll say. Come, you you want a minute? We'll, we'll come back to you or do you want to do it? Uh, come back to me. All right, uh, Jim, describe The Last Jedi in one word. Needless. Needless? Yes. Zanger. Insightful. All right. Um, Zach? Mark, do you, have, do you have one ready? Unexpected. Unexpected. I'm trying to think of a word for, I'm going to say uh, potential. And I think that's... Can I, can I change mine to transcendental? <laughs> transcendental. Ah! Someone, someone uh, is going through the SAT vocabulary book. But I think that's what it comes down to, is that I don't think there's an answer to this. I think, I think Disney knew that there was a honeymoon period with Star Wars, or maybe they lucked out into it with Force Awakens. I think Rogue One was the coattails of that honeymoon period. And I think Star Wars is one of those franchises... And I think it's because it is, it means so much, it means differently to every person that watches it. I don't know if there is a, uh, a, a be-all, one-all for to make people happy with it. I, I don't think there is. I think and that maybe that explains the shotgun approach. Maybe there is some method to the madness where it's like, okay, we know that we're not going to be able to appease everyone. So all we can do is maybe we can't, have every movie gross two billion dollars so maybe if we can get every project to gross 200 million dollars each maybe they're kind of playing the uh, playing the odds with this i don't know it's it's weird i, I okay okay i i got a good question if anyone but disney owned star wars would it be would they be making more stuff with it yes and if they did, they would have been driven into the ground uh, within probably the first or second film. So that's what you think? Oh, definitely. I think it's the best case scenario when George Lucas isn't involved. Oh, oh, oh! You put that caveat on it now? No, because I think George Lucas is allowed to screw it up because it's his. You're if you create something, you're you're allowed to destroy it. I think I think that's only fair. You create something, you have the right to destroy it. But Disney bought it. And you buy some. It's kind of like again. It's like what? Who was it? Oh my god! The the uh, the, the 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 pompous a hole art guy, the one that had the painting that that shredded itself in the picture frame. Did you guys hear that story? As we all sit here in silence. Okay, okay. Uh, context. B uh, Banksy. That's his name. Banksy. Banksy had a, a, a picture, or I guess, I think it was like Sotheby's or one of the auction houses sold a, a framed artwork of him for like some ridiculous sum, like one point something million. And part of the Banksy art piece was right after it sold, we're talking within, I think, seconds, the picture, there was a, a paper shredder built into the frame 
and it shred itself halfway the moment it was sold. And, 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 and uh, Rob from Cinemodis and uh, Inspiriority Complex sent it to me. He was screaming about this, saying, how on earth could Sotheby's not know about this? They would obviously inspect the picture frame for a shredding device. And yet it, it boils down to the whole thing of, or at least how my interpretation of it when it comes to Star Wars is, Banksy's artwork, if, he want, if part of the artwork is destroying it, that is the artist's interpretation to do what they want to do with their art. And I think that's what it comes to Star Wars. George Lucas is allowed to destroy Star Wars or, what's the word, vilify it if he chooses to because he created it. The reason I'm saying this is because if Star Wars properties rested with somebody else, think about like any other franchise that's had technically two questionable movies come out in less than a year. I, I don't want to say it this way because I like Last Jedi, I like Solo, but if you're looking at this from a technical standpoint, both those movies, I mean, one got, like, divided the audience, and then the other one, like, nobody saw, basically. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just, I feel like it's it's not the best. It, if If Disney wasn't able to throw endless amounts of money at it, I think it would be a lot different. Well, I think, again, this is why I brought it back to uh, the DCEU. It's like uh, Warner Brothers... Warner Brothers a... has almost endless amounts of money, though. Yeah, but uh, between almost. Batman versus Superman... And I told you, a lot of it also comes down to uh, fiscal projections. Like I said, Batman versus Superman turned a profit, but they didn't budget for not making it... Again, they anticipate that film making a lot more money. And when it doesn't, they're paying a price for it. Because you got you think about it, you anticipate bringing money in to pay for the things you're currently working on. And when that capital isn't there, you have to then scrounge for it and take money from other places. You have to reallocate funds from other departments and so on and so forth. But this year, Disney had Black Panther, Infinity War, Incredibles. They're probably going to have at least a, a couple more between, uh, what's that movie that comes out? Um, between Mary Poppins, Nutcracker. There's, there's still some gas in the tank when it comes to Disney releases this year. So, I don't know. Disney does have, rel relatively speaking, has unlimited amounts of funds to pump into these films. But you do not throw the dice. There's a reason why Disney stopped making John Carter's and Lone Ranger's and Tomorrowland. They stopped making those films so they could concentrate on surefire successes like Star Wars, like Marvel like um, Mary Poppins Returns, like Beauty and the Beast, and all these other stupid uh, live-action redos of, of animated films. They like are, Aladdin. Like Aladdin. Like, I know they're threatening a Lilo and Stitch live-action film. I'm, I, I I'm, love how it's not they're, they're making A. It's they're threatening A. Yeah, well, it is. They, they're, they're, they're doing – I think what was it was uh, Janelle Monet was just announced for Lady and the Tramp. I, I, I don't know. Again, it's just it, – it's creative bankruptcy. Like we look at Disney, everything Disney's created, and, and it is—it's creative bankruptcy. It, it's everyone goes, oh, wh why wouldn't you take a surefire bet? Well, you wouldn't have to take a surefire bet if you had the creative, uh, the creative uh, tour de force. And I think that's another aspect of this whole thing too—is that you do have Disney that's coasting on nostalgia. What are they going to do twenty years from now, where the generations that that grew up with a remake of Beauty of the Beast, that even though it made a ton of money, was a flash in the pan? Again, I would imagine 
10, 15 years from now, Zenger, your daughters will most likely be putting on the anime 90s version if they want to rewatch it for nostalgia reasons than they will the, the new version with Emma Watson. And that, I, I don't know if Zenger's, in all honesty, I have no idea if any of his daughters watch this. But I think that's what it is. I think certain films have captured magic in a bottle. I think Jim can attest to this. The original trilogy captured lightning in a bottle. Yes. Back to the Future captured lightning in a bottle. And they left that franchise alone. Thank God. Well, yeah. Yes, thank God. Like, but again, more our generation, or not Zanger and I's generation, but like the Dark Knight captured lightning in a bottle. The Avengers captured lightning in a bottle. Even though certain films will have made will make more money than others, I think there's just this thing of something captures our imaginations at the time, and this new generation isn't going to have that. Like I don't think uh, six like I said a six year old that watched Solo and really enjoyed it will have any affinity for that ten years from now because it's just not it's just too much stuff. And it's a flash in the pan moment. Like Jim said, Jim watched what Empire. Empire was your first Star Wars film in the theater, right, Jim? No, no. New Hope. New oh, Hope. New Hope was. Oh, I mean, I'm thinking Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know. I, I've lost track. Right, of Jim's right. Uh, Raiders. I, I loved Raiders too, but no, I saw New Hope in Hope in theaters. Actually, it was at the drive-in. Oh, okay. All right. Um, drive-ins are these things that people used to go to where you sat in your cars and watched movies. Yes. Oh, Back in the day. Actually, a uh, fun fact: I actually have two drive-ins within uh, within driving distance of where I live. The same as me. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? Never. I, I, you tell people you have a drive. Like Zanger already just said, you said drive-in. Was people like what? Like like McDonald's? I feel like it has to be explained. It does for the, for the youth. For this, the youth. This, this this episode should be called the oldest episode ever. It's called uh, Grandpa Grandpa's complain about technology in the youngins and their uh, video consoles. And then a little addendum, like a little parenthetical, and then Mark talks about Pokemon. <laughs> That's the problem with Star Wars, though, is that Disney's trying to take in their, their try-and-true nostalgia formula, and they're applying it, A, to a fan base that I don't want to say is toxic. But a ver a fan base that's very easily riled up over nothing, and you add that to is that there today's uh, culture, the zeitgeist, is an immensely different beast than when it was even just three years ago when Force Awakens came out. Never mind during the prequel era and then the original trilogy era. And I think you combine, and that's why I think 2019 is what's going to happen with Star Wars, where it is going to be a shotgun approach to see what's going to stick. Is it, it's like out of all these different uh, laundry list of Star Wars products, and that's what this is, folks. Episode nine is a product. The Mandalorian is a product. The Master and Apprentice book is a product. It's all product that's there to be bought and sold. And I think they're going to look at it and see what gets the most positive reaction, and then you're going to see what gets greenlit. I think we're probably not going to get an episode, or I'm sorry, the 2020 announcement until at the earliest D23 next year, which is usually, I think, August. I don't think we're going to – they might hint at maybe they'll show concept art from Ryan Trilogy or Ryan Johnson's trilogy, 
or whatever we're calling it now, the Benioff and Wise Game of Thrones stuff, we might get different bits of concept art, but I don't think they're going to give us a concrete date. I, I think they're going to hold off on that as long as they possibly can just to get a better feel of the situation. I think you're exactly right, but I also you made a real good point that triggered something in me. The Star Wars fan base was already well established, and they're coming in midstream and trying to be a part of it versus where with the Disneys and all the other ones they've created, they've steered that ship where they're coming in mid mid with us. And uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the weird thing with Star Wars. You see, look, we talk about Rogue One and think about how much does Rogue One come up anymore in conversation with Star Wars stuff? Daily, if you talk to me. Well, more than you uh, think, especially when I troop. Okay, okay, Jim. So maybe as critic. All right, I want you. Okay, to okay. I, I think there's a little bit of bias here. Then. Well, right. I, you weren't talking about bias. You were just saying if it came up. Okay, I want Jim to take off his Force Ghost hat and his okay, no, 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 Force and Credit cap on. I want to. I want to walk around a T-shirt that says "Ask me about my podcast," and then I'll be like, "You'd be surprised how many people ask me about my podcast today." <laughs> well, that's true. I can see how that would work. Now I, I make a, I make uncomfortable situations any even more uncomfortable. Hey, you heard about my podcast? And then just lean in closer and closer until they either run away screaming or ask me to tell them more. And they'll be like, "You're a creep," and then walk off. <laughs> um, one way to do it. One way to do it. So, Jim, you you obviously surround yourself with more Star Wars nerds on a continual basis than I think I any of us do. What is the what is the mood of Star Wars for a bunch of people who dress up as the characters on a weekly basis? Like this year, well, it's well, this year's interesting. There's not a movie coming out, so we're like, okay, what's it gonna be? You know, there's not in our group. We have our different things we're doing with you know with the trooping with the 501st, the Rebel Legion, but there's not that big thing coming up that everybody's oh boy, gotta get ready for December. You know, new Star Wars movies coming out. You know, it's, it's you know, and, and in terms of the character-wise and everything, you're seeing there's definitely a split with us. Older people like the Vader and the older characters and the newer, and the kids, young kids like the newer characters from these new ones. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, and, the, and, and everybody's talking about different characters. So it's kind of, a, Star Wars is alive and well on that side of it. But, you know, there's nothing really to look forward to. We're kind of in, in uh, cruise control. Well, okay, let me ask this question. From your 501st buddies, Jim, do you think mm. they'll come, ne- come next year, will they all subscribe to the Disney streaming service? In your, in your, I, obviously, you, you can't speak for them, but in your estimation, do you think they'll all subscribe to it, for The Mandalorian? Oh, I think there'll be a wide joining of The Mandalorian. I think people are already talking about it. But I tell you one thing that's funny on a side note about the Mandalorian with our groups, with the Mandalorian Mercs, the minute that picture came out, it was all over our message boards that there's no way in the world this could this costume could pass the muster of the uh, certification process in the Mandalorian Mercs. That was a big chuckle mark going, who put this costume together on this guy? Gee whiz, it doesn't have anything they need. But yeah, the Mandalorian, the minute it came out, was getting a lot of love. Zach, can we talk about it? Can we talk about it now? Oh my god! Why don't we save that for next week? We've been talking for ninety minutes. <sighs> I think that I think that I think Turn that's here. a great I think that's a great tease.
for next, considering that we're going to have Jim around from Wednesdays from ne- for the yeah, for foreseeable I'm, future. I'm we'll save the Mandalorian. We'll get to that in due time. Considering that we only have a, only a handful of information about that, and I imagine there's going to be more and more information that trickles out on that show. I, I don't want to blow that as a add-on in an episode that's already 90 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, this 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 one. Uh, I, I I wish you luck on editing. No, I've figured out the editing for the most part. I, I again, if any of our audiences out there, mute singer. If only I could just mute one audio track, that would solve a lot of my problems. It was fun being back, though, everybody. I've enjoyed it. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's always good to have the Force Ghost back, for uh, folks. Uh, but no, uh, Star Wars Resistance. I know someone in our Facebook group brought it up with us. I watched it. We'll, we'll definitely get to start. I think we're going to wait a little bit until everybody's seen. I know Jim hasn't watched it because I think Jim, we already said Jim's more or less apathetic toward it. Mark has watched half of it. I will watch it. I will watch it. He will watch it, folks. Right. Um, and, then, and I'll finish watching the other half soon. All right. And then, Zenger, have you watched any of it yet? Mm, no. No. Yeah, I watched the first uh, two episodes, or I guess the season one premiere. Don't have a lot of opinions on it. It. it, it, it much like Rebels and even Clone Wars, it did not blow me uh, blow my blow me away. So I'm going to hold out a little bit. So we'll get to that. Maybe, maybe come I don't know. Depending on if our if our audience wants us to talk about it, we'll definitely highlight it every episode. But until I get that feedback, unfortunately. Oh, hey, they still got the glitch thing going to where I can purchase all of a certain thing for three bucks. If, if if I buy this for this price, they're going to be like up. Well, that, that was only for when the se- for what the season was at the time you purchased it. I don't think it works that way. If you look at any other show, they do not charge you by how much. Like if you look at like take a show that's like halfway through a season. Yeah, this is char- Amazon. How how would they have glitched out that badly and messed that up? Amazon does stupid stuff like that sometimes. It's also you also have to realize too. Star Wars Resistance has a very toxic reputation, so that might be a way Disney's trying to get people on board. To sell the entire season for the same amount as one episode. If you want people to get on board, no better way to get people to like something than to give it away for free initially. It's just to get the people hooked. It might be, it might disappear after the second. I don't know. Depends. Uh, for four bucks, it's not. Like, it's not like they're going to charge you an additional four bucks every week. I don't know. All right. So, um, everybody ready to go? Sure. Oh yeah. Any, any final words, Mark? Uh, do you have any final parting words of wisdom in the Pokemon universe? Catch them all. Um, catch them all, and I, I called it. And look out for uh, new Pokemon games coming out soon. I'm actually getting my Switch, Nintendo Switch, next month. All right, everybody ready? I need to upgrade my Xfinity. What does that mean? It, it won't let me watch Resistance. Apparently, I don't have it. All right, cool. All right, so concludes <laughs> this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader into Facebook, and chances are you will find it. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T-E. And on the Cinema Oddities podcast, where we'll be talking about Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday as part of Monstober. And where can people find you guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MarkFanPatria. That's 
M-A-R-K-F-A-N-P-A-T-R-I-O-T. And you can find me reading one-star reviews on Amazon for Resistance. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. It's for kids. The dialogue is definitely aimed at children. I'm not sold. <laughs> All right. Well, that might be, well that okay, might be hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. The guy said, I'm not sold, but he had to buy it to watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. This and review is counterintuitive. <laughs> In Force Ghost Jim, where can people find you? Hell, I don't know anymore. I forgot. It's okay. Move on. You can find Jim in the in the cave on Dagobah. If you go, if you're in, if you're in the Dagobah system, chances are you'll find him nearby. It's all right. Someone wants to reach out to me, let me know. They can visit. All right. All righty, everybody. Have a good night. It's fifteen percent of the reviews. Good night. Bye. Like, I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to get some ice cream, guys. You keep going. All right. I'm All back. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm glad your daughter got to talk to you. I think Mark just lectured your daughter on Pokemon for the last five minutes. I know why I love Pokemon. I love it. Yeah, we're Go talking ahead. about the, uh, the old school days. So I'm not sure if your daughter was around when Pokemon was first introduced into the U.S., but it was like Late nineties or so, and like I was like mid nineties, mid nineties. No, that that was in Japan. She's twenty. She's tw she's twenty two. Oh. Yeah, it was mid nineties, Mark. No, no, it was, it was late nineties. <laughs> um, if, if Japan, yes, mid nineties, but U.S. audiences wouldn't get to like two years okay. later, ninety eight. But this is a great podcast. All right, I'll be the I'll be the rudder on the ship. Where were we, and where are we going? Uh, All right. We're we're talking okay, about this is gonna be fandom. a nightmare. This is gonna be a nightmare to edit. In that they're there, they're not like like you want to go access. The them. game released in the U.S. in September 30th of 1998. Oh God! I don't think either of us are right. I consider that late 90s or so. I could say that's mid 90s, late to oh mid. Oh my God! All right, okay. Say this is the Pokemon podcast, you two. Um, yeah. I, I I don't have a side in this, so I don't care. But my point is, is that that was the, the end near the end of Generation One of Pokemon. Then you got Gen Two, Gen Three, oh Gen stop. Four, Gen stop. Five, this Gen Six, Gen Seven. I don't Take control, Zach. Take control. I have no idea how to edit this. I told you this is Hurting Cats podcast. Anyway, if anyone says Pokemon again, they're getting disconnected from the phone call. Is that it's kind of like Pocket what went on with the prequels. Well, there you go. You found a loophole in the system. Good for you. So, 